What's up, guys? Welcome to Wedding Pros. My name is Jared. I'm here with Mr. Jason McCutcheon. And uh, guys, I wanted to remind you, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube and you're giving us five stars on anywhere that you can find uh, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what we find is usually people follow us on one or the other and uh, wanted to remind you that we are actually up on YouTube as well. Um, and also wanted to tell you about our Facebook group. Uh, something that we're really pushing for is, you know, hearing from you sitting at home watching these podcasts um, while you're doing work and uh, wanted you to join the conversation over there because actually uh, what we try to do is um, take input from you and take questions from you guys and and kind of base our discussions on the things that people are interested in. Um, so actually your voice actually matters. It's crazy. Yes, yes. We're going to prove it today. Um so, yeah, I wanted to remind you guys about that stuff. Um, also, uh, it's a new year. It's 2020. Um, so we are actually doing a lot of things that are new. We're going to theme the podcast a little bit more. We have a bunch of uh, great guests that are coming in over the next month. Uh, the Hans, if you um, are going to be – we're actually going down to New York next week. We're going to be interviewing them. We're also gonna, the Hans are from Hustle & Flow. Hans from Hustle & Flow, yeah. Um, they have a great – um, I guess it's not really a curriculum, but they do workshops. They, they have online curriculum. They actually have a whole it's a whole like, thing base down in Miami now. They they start, or I think Miami, and then they still also do workshops on the road. Yep, yep. Uh, and then we, we also we have Eli DeFaria coming in, and he's a film photographer uh, who actually works in our local area. He's fantastic, um, and we're going to talk to him about doing film, but also the balance between doing weddings and uh, commercial work as well, because he does both. He's just ultra talented photographer uh, and more and more. We're going down to New York. We're going to be having a couple discussions with uh, people down there next week as well. So uh, lots of great new content yes. um, coming out. So how how's your New Year's, Jay? Uh, you know how my New Year's was. I know. I was with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shot a ridiculous wedding. It was so fun. Yeah, I thought... Uh, I was really encouraged and really excited because usually, you know, we don't get to work together. Usually it's like you're off shooting a wedding and I'm off shooting a wedding or the guys are shooting weddings. And it's pretty rare that we get to, uh, you know, work together. Um, it was yeah. it was interesting because we did it like I think we did a wedding that was more like a Huxley wedding before. But then we learned something and I think this is more what we would end up mm -hmm. trying to do. Yep. So I would say this is like our first real Huxley wedding that we had an idea what we were doing. Yep. And it was weird because like, by the way, excuse me for my cold today, but a little under the weather, but it's it was the season. Yes, it is the season. It was weird because like I didn't hardly shoot at all. Now I was on my feet all day, just like everybody else, but I didn't hardly shoot at all. And I was like just running around being more like a producer and a director like, and it was a really weird experience. Yeah. I mean, I like that we're doing it that way because it's like, you know, you. I feel like you're discovering what that role even is on a wedding day. Like we've produced kind of commercial pieces in the past, but you know, what does a producer look like on a wedding day itself? You know, just setting shooters up to be successful. For those that don't know what a producer does traditionally in corporate work, producers are typically getting money together. They're, they're doing a lot of stuff before you even get to the day of the shoot. Um, and then they're, you know, making sure crap happens. Yeah. Um, 
you know, a lot of times people, I think, misuse the word producer and they, I'm like, no, that's a director. Yeah. Um, so, but like, it was weird because I was usually about going to the place before you got to the place. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a great experience, but New Year's was great. Oh, it was you, it, a lot I, of fun. Usually when you shoot a wedding, you're kind of wearing every single hat, the producer, director, and the videographer, also audio engineer. And I think um, it was fun getting to just shoot and not really, you know, obviously you have to yeah, think about you, you how just, You just had connect. to shoot, right? Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. And I, I find that when you can just divert a lot of your energy to being creative, um, and someone is kind of telling you what to do, um, man, it's so much easier to focus on what you're really good at. Just so, to get a, like a yeah, to get a perspective, like there's like one time where I was like, I got the hotel and I was there while you guys were working with the bride and groom. I was getting this room emptied. Yep. Because I knew we wanted to do a portrait session later. Yep. Making sure the outlets worked. Yep. Working with the staff to get the outlets to work. Setting up lights. Getting the extension cards. Yep. From the outlets. And then at one point I had to go down outside to the city of Boston and tell them to turn off like a bank of like probably 50 LED lights that were lighting <laughs> this entire building because it was creating a weird blue cast in the room that the bride was getting rid of. Like weird stuff like that. Yeah, Downtown Boston, they have a celebration every year because first night and it's just like thousands of people right outside the, the, the location that we're Like shooting. literally so, right outside. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. Um, anyways, yeah. Um, we um, on on wedding pros. We're actually starting a new segment that I'm pretty excited about called news. Yeah, I love the <laughs> news. <laughs> we should probably figure out a better name for Tech that. News. You know what we really need? We need a good jingle that all the uh, that all the um, stop go love guys sing together um, to introduce news. So we're going to be doing a new segment on the podcast where essentially we are. Uh, talking about news in in the wedding industry. So what's news in the news? In the Let's talk industry. about it. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that we're going to talk about that uh, just got released is uh, the announcement of the One D X Mark Three. Yeah, like finally released the specs, and they finally released all. It's on the, pre-order, right? Yeah, it's on B and H. You can look at it, and I mean, it's probably a million other places, but I, I just tend to I tend to go to B and H. Sorry, Adorama, but anywho. Um, a lot of people are really excited about this camera mm-hmm. and for a good reason. I mean, just in terms of like just raw specs, it looks like a monster full frame, which is incredible. If you're, if you, um, a lot of people, they just, that's a big deal to them. Um, and the other thing that's, I think most people are going to be blown away by is the fact that it can record 12 bit raw 5.5 K, um, up to 60p, well, 59.9 fp. Yep. So finally stepping um, up some Kodaks. Yeah, yeah. So the the ability to like, it's a proper cinema camera, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and actually, one thing I haven't heard a lot of, I'm excited about their MP4 codec, the H.265, which is a, so much more superior than H.264. Mm-hmm. It's 10 bit. Mm-hmm. It's a 10 bit codec. 4K, um, really exciting. Um, it look, I believe it actually, you know, can shoot. Um, in, in terms of 4K, I, I don't think it shoots 120, but it does shoot um, 60 as well in the mm-hmm. in the uh, compressed Kodak. So, and then if you shoot um, their 420 H.264 Kodak, which is an 8-bit Kodak, um, you can get um, 
4K um, 60. And I think, no, you know, I the 120 thing is the only thing that bums me out about the camera. It doesn't really seem to do the 4K 120. Which, what, what is about the autofocus too? Yeah, Explain so there's also me. this, the, the thing that most people are frustrated by, and I understand it too, is, is the fact that this camera, for some technical reason that has to do with magic sensor things, um, does not do autofocus when you shoot raw um, or when you shoot 4K 60. And what's the reason? He said, uh, I, there's, I'll share a video on it in, 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 the, in the description. It's like a video of, it's interesting. If you've never used like the dual pixel, uh, like on the C200, I think it's the same or similar. It has like face detection, like head detection, yeah. all this amazing stuff. So he's, he's going through all the awesome stuff. But then in the middle, he's like, for technical reasons. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it does not include. I, I love it because I feel like I wish I could say that uh, that be my answer for like everything. Yeah, like, for technical reasons. Oh, um, we would like to uh, pay our deposits in uh, seven increments. I'm like, you can't do that for technical reasons. <laughs> it's just like I want that to be my explanation. Right? I wish that could be my reasons why. Like, honey, can you do the dishes? Well, no, for technical okay. reasons. Yeah, like, no, I can't. I can't. Do it. Yeah, it, like I could explain it to you, but you wouldn't understand because it's technical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either way, Canon has said for technical reasons they can't do um, autofocus yeah. in in, so, a, in the raw, and I think in the even the compressed 4K 60. Which is, that's a bit of a bummer. So I think most people are looking at this camera. Um, obviously, you're, it's a $6,500 camera. So this is not for, like, you're getting started. You're, this is, like... Who's it for? Who's the camera for? This is for cinema people, I think. It really is. Photographers? If you're, oh, and the in photography our, in, is In ridiculous. our world, in the our, The photography like, is world. ridiculous. I think it's, like, the flagship DSLR mm -hmm. in terms of photography. What it, I mean, even, like... It's funny, because I feel like, you know... When we shoot, the only camera I see people use is, you know, a Nikon, whatever. I'm not familiar with Nikon. It's weird how, like, Nikon guy. doesn't even, like, register but, to me. But, uh, well, it's photography, yeah, mostly. Yeah. But, or or a 5D, right? 5D yes. Mark IV, 5D Mark III. Like, I f don't really feel like I see one of these being used in the wedding industry. Maybe it's just I've seen it a few times. I feel like it's rare. But it's, like, 20 FPS for, yeah. like like frames yeah as a yeah. photographer in the even the live view mode yeah. Yeah, so this just, thing is just like a machine like you get full frame you know maybe you're yeah you're getting 20 frames a second and the autofocus is going to be probably pretty fantastic it's probably the best in the industry it, yeah, or if not definitely it, it's an amazing camera so in but terms the difference of, between a, a mark four you know uh, soon to be mark i think 5, if you're think, talking wedding like, photography unless you're like really looking to up your game in a few areas i think it's not going to have a massive impact on somebody's images if you're a professional if you're a news gathering person if you're working in sports oh, yeah. if you're like that, i mean that, the thing is just a machine yeah and, you know and it's just a beautiful image and all this stuff i think most people who are looking at this 1d are going to be comparing it probably if you're a canon person to the c200 and you know both of them do um 12-bit raw the c200 though is is a 4k 12-bit raw and it doesn't do the 5.5 um <clears throat> which might not matter to you, but maybe matters to someone. Um, it also, it does not do the, in my opinion, really the thing that people should be excited about in a lot of ways, which is the the compressed 4 to 10 bit format. The C200 does not do. C200 only does like a 
normal Canon 8-bit 420 codec. So it's raw or it's MP4. But if you're a raw shooter, the C200 is an awesome option. And the other thing is the C200 keeps the autofocus. Mm -hmm. So you get less resolution on the C200, but you keep your autofocus. Yep. And if you're shooting raw, you don't really care about that um, superior co compressed H.265 codec. So I think, I think, and if you're like, if you're not a Canon shooter and you don't care about autofocus, um, like, I don't know why you would even think about these cameras. Yeah. It's kind of like they're a, very expensive. It's kind of like a classic Canon um, announcement where it's just like, here's the next line. It's better. <laughs> I, I think it's more than that. Really? Yeah. I think if you, I think a DSLR, like a proper DSLR, like a proper incredible DSLR shooting raw 5.5K. Yeah. It's pretty incredible, and I know like it's a sign of things to come, and there's always trickle down into the next the 5D Mark IV, and that's what or Mark V, and that's what people should be excited about mm -hmm. is like whatever this does, the Mark IV, the Mark V is gonna be able to do some of it. I still think, or more. I don't know, personal opinion. I think when DSLRs first started to be able to shoot video, they were like, oh, it's a photo camera that's able to shoot video on the side, and it didn't have a dedicated record button and Canon's trying to please a lot of people with well, they just don't want like to this. cannibalize their line i just it, it's and it's understandable but at the same time it's like if you're a filmmaker why are you why are you buying that when you can buy a black magic 4k for literally like way less better kodak more I dynamic range. it's just a better if you're a filmmaker and you don't care about the extra resolution why would you buy that over a c200 that's my question it's like if you're gonna shoot raw, it's anyway, less expensive. It's the same price. They're both the C200. They're the same exact price, sixty-five hundred each. One DX C200. No, no, no. I'm saying Blackmagic C200. Oh, oh, oh. But they don't have autofocus. So like, if you're, it depends on the type of filmmaker you sure. are. Sure. Like, if you're like a person who's making documentaries, mm -hmm. I would get a C200. Yeah. It it's just way it's way more flexible. And it can, because of the autofocus and mm -hmm. news gathering person, I think even in weddings, it'd be amazing to have a C200, but I think obviously you don't get as much dynamic range. Mm -hmm. Like it just depends on what your goals are. Sure. So that I think if you're looking at that camera, like you, you're, you are choosing between like a C200, an Ursa Mini. Mm -hmm. Now I do think the 1DX is a legitimate discussion for people. Sure. Because it really, when you look at the Ursa, it's kind of very similar, except it doesn't do 4.6, 120. Mm -hmm. But neither of them really have autofocus. Neither of them are really, like, it's all about the codec, the resolution, and then the frames. Sure. And I do think Ursa wins out. That's why we own an Ursa. Yeah. But I definitely could see the appeal of a C200. Yeah. I feel like the 1DX is weirdly in the middle. If, if like, I understand... The 1DX, if you're a photographer slash videographer, if you do both, like, because you can just swap between the two and it's like a great, a, a perfectly fine option for both. That's that's pushing the bounds for a camera that can do both. But if you're a photographer, why are you, like, doing weddings? Uh, why are you going with the 1DX over the 5D? Maybe more frames, like, because better if autofocus, you decide, yeah, but it's not worth the I think price difference to me. Probably not. And probably then not. on the not video to, side. It's worth it to, like, if you're at a very high yeah, end. Yeah. Because I think that H.265 codec is going to be incredible. Yeah. 
And I think the autofocus is also going to be incredible. Yeah. It's going to be an incredibly good experience. Yeah. Vastly better than the Mark III and Mark IV and probably way better even than the 1DX2. Mm-hmm. What I love is the C500. Oh, obviously. <laughs> Full frame, 5.9K, like int- image stabilization. That is a proper camera. Sure. Like, oh, I love that. Anyway, a what about you? Expensive What's camera. in the news for you? <laughs> Uh, so, um, Fuji rumors.com. Um, I, I'm a nerd. I love Fuji cameras cause they're just awesome, especially for the price point. They're just fun too. And the name, it's so fun to say Fuji. I know. Well, and it kind of is like the hipster brand. So I, I, I dig it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, great small cameras. They just do a really good job. Uh, and color science is awesome. So I, I dig it. Um, I shoot a lot of weddings on, on Fuji on the GFX and, and XT3. Um, and on Fuji rumors, they just announced that there is an XT4, uh, on the way being produced. And this is all rumors, of course, but, um, some of the specs sounded pretty interesting to me if they're all true. Um, XT4 is actually the first XT, um, that's going to have IBIS, which is exciting. Yep. Um, because that's probably one of the few qualms I have, uh, on the video side. Uh, with the X-T3 that's currently out. Um, it's going to be heavier, which is fun. 10-bit um, internal, uh, 6K at 60, which uh, already is better <laughs> than the uh, 1D. Interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I just I just think they're fun. It, um, it's going mean, to be a fun more, little camera. They're not just released. fun. They're capable. Very capable, especially – I think these cameras are great. I mean, when we went through – um, is that a micro four thirds or the, f- uh, no, it's, uh, it's, um, APS-C. Okay. Uh, sensor. And that, that's a Fuji, what, like, what is that called? F mount or whatever? Uh, is it? No, it's an X mount. It's an X mount. what they call it. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know, the, the Shows downside, what I know. the downside of the Fuji is, is, you know, the, the glass on a Canon is going to be a lot better. Probably the glass on Nikon is a lot better. I but, feel like they're but catching they're glass, up though. They are. Like, they're Okay. I, I don't feel like I just think like you're getting and they're releasing a lot. They're releasing a lot of new lenses often. So um, yeah, they're 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 pushing them out. They're fun, um, and they're small. You know, they're small and compact. So um, so that'll be exciting. Uh, and and they're announcing um, probably going to be announcing that for the end of 2020. So what that probably means is uh, midway through 2021, if memory serves me right, of these kind of cameras. Although Fuji actually seems like they stick to their release dates um pretty uh Canada. pretty well what a weird company <laughs> and black magic is the worst but black magic will also randomly release a 6k camera yeah it's true that's true just so they don't have to deal with people like that's us being like, like oh now we have a 6k yeah. one <laughs> all they did was take the sensor in the ursa yeah 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 they're in a lot of ways they're brilliant they yeah. really are yeah it's an interesting company um and then the last thing in news we wanted to mention uh is wppi this yes. year we are actually going this year guys so if you are, are going make sure you uh hit us up we'd love to uh see you guys you know walk on the floor give you guys high fives and um yeah just uh just hang out really it's gonna be a fun time we're gonna be doing a lot of podcasting when we're there we're gonna be doing a lot of Gear reviews and and whatnot, so it's gonna be gonna be a good time. I'm excited about it. I've never been. Never been to Vegas. Um, I've been to Vegas Airport. Uh, yeah, Vegas is uh, interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> um, it's like a fake city. It really is. It's weird because it's like I love the slot machines in the airport. 
you're, I mean, you like casinos, so just t- walking around yeah. and looking at every casino yeah. would be incredibly it's like interesting. Like Disneyland, it's yeah, fun. yeah, it is interesting. Now we're gonna have a good time, hang out with some friends of ours, people we know, yep. um, and excited to see everybody. So. Yep, yep. Uh, and that is February twenty. Oh, what did I do? Oh man, it's the twenty third to the twenty seventh. Twenty third through twenty seventh. I'm on the wrong tab. Yeah, it's gonna be dope. Um, cool. So today we're gonna be. It's a new, beginning of a new year, yep. and and. I kind of do this at the end of the year, but like, hopefully, maybe, hopefully, you're doing this. If you're listening to this, you're a person who, at the end of the year and at the beginning of the next year, you're kind of going, all right, I got to get my crap together, start doing my budgeting, start wrapping up the previous year financially, evaluating how things went, looking at your budget from the previous year, seeing if you did it, like, I'll, you know, wrapping up and getting set up for the next year. Um, this is not something that I feel like we were very good at for a really long time. And it's something that we kind of moved into. What is it, Jay? You're teasing the crap out of me. No, I told you, which is getting ready, (laughs) getting your, wrapping up your financial year and prepping your next financial year. Cool. This is not a thing I think that a lot of wedding professionals do though, right? Uh, We didn't really do it. We're just like, we suck at it. We'll, it'll be good. It'll be all good. We'll figure it out along the way. Oh man! And hopefully, everyone makes deposits in January, February, and, the, and yeah. It's funny how like stuff works. It's like when you're starting out, you're like, "I made a hundred grand, whoa!" And then you just see how quickly that money just gets. Yep. You know, especially when you have two owners. Yeah. And so you know, we just quickly learned like, oh, we have to get better at this. But as we did it, you know, I think we actually got decent at it. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we want to talk about today is just kind of launching a financial year as a wedding creative okay. and some of the things that go into it. We had it because what made me think about it is a question. Somebody, somebody had asked a question and I'll pull it up here because um, I think it was, how do you keep track yeah, of expenses Adam, on a Adam per David Welch job basis? Out. He's, yeah, he says, you know, when when discussing knowing your price, you have to sell at. How do you account for equipment expenses like computer, cameras, etc., yep. on a per job basis? Which is something we actually do. Yeah. Um. And I thought through that, and I was like, I bet most people are not doing that. We actually have a whole spreadsheet of like profitability. Um. On a per package basis, yep. that factors in cost of labor, um, three year cost of owning equipment, um, just a lot of things like that. And so, and I, and I, you know, then actually I can look at how profitable each individual package is. And, and it's, it's, it's how we really gauge what our price point for packages is. Mm-hmm. Like your expenses are a, a big part of that puzzle of trying to figure out how much you can actually charge or you should be charging. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a question that I see all the time is like, how do I know how much I should be charging? You should be charging how much you cost. Yeah, I had and, a person say your expense is a cost. A couple of weeks ago, it was a big a bunch of people were kept talking about, um, oh, how much do you think this wedding film is worth? Mm-hmm. And I jumped in. I was like, this wedding film is worth nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing inherently valuable about a wedding film. Like mm-hmm. you don't understand the economics if you think that this has value. When the world, <clears throat> excuse me, when the world ends, the apocalypse, which is coming apparently, they based. <laughs> Uh, when uh, when iran nukes us oh jay you had to bring that garbage into this podcast (laughs) and we're standing around in wreckage and and marriage is now an archaic device and it's a beautiful set and we all want to just take photos of it yeah but our cameras don't work because nuclear Uh, yeah 
Fallout has destroyed our sensors. Yeah. Maybe that would be fine, by the way. I don't know. 2020 but is going When all that happens. Great. And no one is going to buy your wedding film anymore because mm. it has no value. Yeah. All that value is food and water. And so, like, it's a fake value established by a market and, of course, established by cost. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the market demand. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because they, they, they think it's a subjective value. Like, oh, I'm better than this person, so I should charge more than this mm-hmm. person. I saw so and, – and so, like, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that, I think, is, like, I know we're – we're we're experienced and we do a good job and and that's some of the value like that's eye of the beholder though right mm-hmm. yeah someone looking at your work and saying i evaluate that as being better and i think it's better than this person and they cost this much so you can be more expensive yep. it's rolex and and you know uh a, a cheaper brand watch you yeah. know it's it's in a bargain watch it's it's perception it's that person wearing it knows they got a more expensive, more quality watch and, you know, it's it's perceived value at the end of the day. Yeah. And so so when you're thinking about your price, yep. you should be looking at cost. Like I think this is like the first thing you should look at. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first thing most people look at. I think the first thing you should be looking at is how much does it truly cost to make your product? And then of course you have to evaluate up market conditions and your own relative value. Oh, those are things that you do need to look at. So I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit how we do our budgeting. We are going to, at the end of this thing, we're going to give you guys a link to um, a really crazy spreadsheet that we use. And it's kind of, hopefully it's set up for you guys. Um, Please give me feedback on the spreadsheet as you use it. And I think a lot of people probably watching the podcast at home, you know, on YouTube or whatever, listening, um, your your system is probably going to be much more complicated than their system at home, right? You know, yeah. because we, I, I find most people are just working for themselves and it's like they buy some gear throughout the year and they pay taxes and, you know, everything else goes into their bank account. I, I'm always surprised, you know, to find that people don't have a separate like business bank account, um, which is something we would or recommend. Or a lot of people that are shooting weddings don't even have, they're not even incorporated. Yeah. So the, I think doing this is probably one of the first steps to actually separating personal and and you know business expenses. Like I think that's important. To, like early on, if you're just starting out, that's an important thing for you to do is separate bank accounts yep. and and get your numbers sorted out so you can actually see what your expenses are in the company and not just say like, well, I have like four grand coming in next month from this one wedding. I'll spend two thousand on you know, maybe another lens and, you know, the other two grand I'll just spend on a bill that will randomly come up for my car and just, you know, having a plan. So at least you can know and make good decisions and save um, is a good place to start. So so I'm going to just buzz through because I think the best thing to do in terms of um, helping you guys and getting into this topic so it doesn't take too long is just really quickly going through so let's get into it. Um, so this, what we do every year is we we do a budget. We do projections. And um, how do we get to that budget and projections? We, we look and we go, okay, how many weddings do we have per month in the bag? How many weddings do we expect to do in that month? Um, Essentially, how many do we have currently booked and how many do we plan to book in the future? Yeah, because like we're going to book weddings, for instance, in January that we're going to shoot in January. Uh, 
the same year, mm-hmm. September, October. Yep. So there's those. And then one of the other things that I think is really important to track is how many first deposits do you expect to collect? Mm-hmm. So, and then how many second deposits do you expect to collect? Mm-hmm. So there's the work you're doing, of course, you know, the work you're booking. And, and, and the challenging thing with being a wedding creative is like that cash flow situation can be really challenging if you totally. don't kind of understand that you have money coming in that is for later and money coming in that was from the previous year. Yep. It's And you have to stagger it and you have to track it. So, cash flow is tough, especially in these like northern states, actually most states probably where we're much more seasonal working in the summertime, often the wintertime. You have money coming in in the wintertime, you know, more money coming in probably in the summertime. How do you hibernate? How do you keep track of that cash flow? Is yeah. uh, is a challenge, man. Yep, yep. And so we have on this spreadsheet, we got budget, projections, weddings by month, mm-hmm. which is just uh, on that weddings by month, we have numbers of weddings, and then we have first deposits paid, and then second deposits due. So I always like to keep in mind how much of my money has already been paid previously. Um, that's a big deal to me because I know like, one of the mistakes you can make is I have a $5,000 wedding. Well, how much is left? How much is left that you aren't going to be collecting this fiscal year? Mm-hmm. Because it could literally be, you know, that you maybe, some, I forget all the time how much people pay us. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, especially if you're breaking it into, you don't four just do 50-50. If you're doing three or four payments, it's 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 crazy. Get a, get a CRM that has payment. Get HoneyBook. Get I think if, even if you're doing like 10 weddings, that becomes like, I, I can't keep track of that. I'm a creative. I don't do, I like, I do numbers, but you have to really <laughs> drag me it, over to do it. It also lets you get this information much faster. Mm-hmm. Like I can go and see much quicker when my, Deposits are due, yep. which is really important. So, but I like to lay in a spreadsheet horizontally. Um, first deposits paid, second deposits due, new work I expect to book, um, first deposits expected, which is so. This is where you're getting into a part of budgeting that I think a lot, a lot of wedding creatives don't do, which is um, projecting. Yeah. So you're projecting how many am I gonna book? So how many first deposits am I gonna collect? And how many second deposits am I gonna collect? And that can be a little tricky for people. So here's how I think I think it's especially tricky too. Like for us, it's a lot easier because we are doing a lot of volume. So it's and we've been around for eight or ten years. It's a lot more consistent. And even with ours, like our June can go up or down. You know, five weddings um, compared to somebody who it's it's a lot more random. But I, I think. If you're able, the longer you've been in it, the more you can average. It's really out. about length, and and yeah. ultimately, like you're not trying to get this perfect. Yeah. You're just trying to have something to look at so that you know, am I way off? Yep. Right? Because if that first deposit is expected, second deposit is expected, if you're like five months in and you are, you don't have, you know, I don't even have the leads to support what I was expecting in June, July, August. Like, I am not going to book these. You need to go and recalibrate your budget. Yep. But like, but looking at your first deposits that you're expecting, I like to base it based on the previous three years. And say, in the previous three years, I booked this many. So I'm going to just maybe, if I think I'm going to grow a little, maybe I'll project 10% on that or something. But like in general, I don't overcomplicate it. I'm just going to look at my previous three years per month and go, in last June, I booked uh, 10 weddings. And then in, the, in July, I booked seven. And then August, I booked eight, something like that. And so I think 
I think having like just knowing your numbers, the more you have them, the more in the future you can refer to them. And I think okay. that's what's really important. Um, is if you have never gotten this started, if I'm saying this to you and you're like, I don't know, like you never, maybe you're brand new. Just guess, you know? How, how hard is this to do realistically? It will take you all day. It'll take you eight to 10 hours. So, yeah. Yeah. But you got to do it. You got to do it. You, yeah. And especially this time of year, if, if you're I mean, maybe it wouldn't take world, everyone eight to 10. It takes me sometimes. It, it can doing, take me up to 16 hours. It, it's a lot more complicated when you're doing a lot, a lot of weddings. Yes. And, and, and you have are paying $200,000 out to contractors and employees. Yes. And just, you know, it's it gets a lot more complicated. If you're doing it for yourself. You can burn through this, and it might take a little bit of a and, learning. And if curve you're new, and, you're just going to be guessing. Yeah, which yeah. is, you know, take educated guesses. One of the things you can do to take a guess is you look at your leads, and then you look at your close rate, and yep. you can use that to project. Yep. So if you know, hey, every month I'm getting 20 leads, um, I would say project the 24 percent close rate. Mm -hmm. And then you know, maybe even less when you're first starting out. Maybe less if you're starting you're out and you don't. We but, yeah, we're we're booking well. around. 20 to 23% of our leads. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you're a little less. The goal in our industry is to be around 20%. If you can get 20 to 24% in our industries, you're doing pretty good. Because mm -hmm. that means every five couples that comes in, you're you're selling a wedding. Yeah. And hopefully those stats uh, make you feel good at home listening to that. Because I think, you know, you see a lot of times people are just so irritated by the ghosts, you know. People are uh, ghosting me. Uh, you know, and it's just like... It's it's a part of the game, you know, and and there are just ways think you can about improve how many, your rate, but but just think about how many car dealerships you ghost. Oh, completely. Like if I'm buying a car, I get like seven car dealerships. I don't even have a problem with those people. No, I'm not gonna call them back. No, they're like I'm done. Yep. I, like the second I book someone else, I am not gonna invest any. And like, just you know, just that's how people are. So yep. it is what it is. So the other thing, a lot of people don't do is you need to keep this up to date as the year goes that's the thing i would say so what i always do because then i like to go ah how do my projector is broken so i'll do like first deposit expected second deposit expected total actual booked yeah so what every month i'm going to go back and update these spreadsheets um and then we have our um of course the weddings by month which is uh, a sub cost you need to also include your sub cost per month which is subcontractors 1099s whatever you call them second shooters people who help you editing whatever it is you want to like if you know hey 30 days after every wedding i'm gonna have to pay this photo um, editor 250 bucks and i'm gonna shoot three weddings in in may you should project that cost into june whatever that cost is well you know six seven hundred bucks and so you want to start summing that up and because that's going to be a big cash flow thing is if you forget, oh, I got to pay all my second shooters and assistants and all these people. Um, and then we do an expense rollout, which is it's like a month by month breakdown of our expenses. Mm -hmm. And we literally have everything from our gear to our, <clears throat> you know, Adorama VIP services, Barrowlands VIP services, uh, Canon Pro services, all our um, our subscriptions online, Pixie sets and Adobe Suite and um, software we're going to buy. If we need to buy another license. Um, 
all our marketing, the what, the knot, the wedding wire, whatever it is. Um, we have training lines for just when we're going to train people, like stuff we're going to do for, with our team, food expenses, you know, credit card processing fees by month. Like, and this is really important because we make a lot of decisions like, hey, I need to buy a new camera, right? Well, when do I need to buy them by? Well, I, I have enough cameras to really shoot all I need to shoot. But when May hits, I'm going to, I really need another camera. So mm -hmm. we might, we might move an expense into that month and, and, and we kind of count it. Then when we're looking at the next month, we're looking at this sheet and we're going, uh, next month we have like $8,000 in planned expenses. So mm -hmm. we got to be careful. Yep. Yep. Like, so you need to do a rollout of your expenses by month. And it, I do apologize about that. Is this super boring to someone? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sitting here with you and starting to glaze over. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, uh, I, I, I do think it's important. And, and honestly, the reason why we're doing this is because I think it's, it's such an important resource and no one is really talking about this. Like, you, if you want to run a successful wedding business for a long period of time, you have to do this stuff. It's not even a question of like, well, that's the way somebody else does it and I do it my own way. It's like, you have to have a system something like this at least something to run a really successful business and like you know people all the time are like wow you guys got awesome like camera equipment like we just shot this awesome wedding on all brand new black magic gear like four black magic cameras <laughs> cine lenses we bought $45,000 worth of equipment last year unplanned because we planned the rest of our money yes yes because we knew about how the money was going to go for the year, I knew we could afford it. Mm -hmm. I was like, we can do it. Yep. We can do it because we have this profit that's planned. Now, given we could have kept that money, of course, yep. but we wanted to grow our business and we wanted to grow what we were doing. We're, we're big investors too, you know, and, and it profit always comes down to what, what your goals are. If it's to just, hey, if you're running your own show and you're doing this to make money and you want to buy a bigger house for your family, great. You have the ability to do that. For us, we've always been like, okay, we'll, we're going to increase our pay, you know, at salary, but then, you know, we want to invest back into this business. We want to increase capacity, whether it be creative yep. capacity where we can do better work yep. and get new, do new types of opportunities that allow us to do things that are more creative or just do more, yep. do more volume, yep. hire more people, get do more going. more creative that we're interested in. Yeah, you know? yeah. Do some editorial work that, you know, it's, it's but all it's that is everybody's end. fantasy and dream. And it should be, by the way, and it comes from planning. Mm -hmm. It comes from budgeting. It comes from being organized. Yep. And so if you're like, ah, I feel like I'm stuck in a rut, I can encourage you, man, um, planning. And so the next thing we have on here is po package profitability. Now, many of you do this in different ways. This might not translate to everyone, but it will translate to people who sell packages. Um, this was pretty important for us, and we just started doing this last year. Yeah, because we realized there was a package we were selling that we did a lot of that wasn't contributing as positively to the bottom line as the other packages. Like, mm -hmm. like the pricing we had put on it wasn't really based on anything. Mm -hmm. We put a price out really just based on, like, we think people will buy this and would it be great to have it. Yep. And it wasn't contributing to the company as much as we ought to. The profit margins were less. Mm -hmm. Um, and in our minds, we're like, oh, it's less work. So, but it's kind of like. But we well, had hired an employee to do the work on it. And if we aren't, you know, booking jobs for that specific 
you know, for him to be able to work, then it doesn't really make sense for us to have an employee. Yeah, we had like you know we had an editor. We didn't do any editing on the package, so every time we sold it, we made our editor more expensive to ourselves. Yep, and so that's fine. It still contributes to the bottom line, but we were just like, let's calibrate this. Let's how much is it really making us? How many of it are we willing to sell? Before it starts eating into, and then oh, here's this other package. We make a, a lot more profit on it. Let's push it. Yeah. Let's sell more of them, and we actually sold a lot more because we 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 made some decisions. We based doubled on, on our highest package last year. We doubled, doubled the amounts, and and I think we cut down on the amount of like forty percent, thirty percent. The low the, package. The, the the low package that wasn't as profitable. Yep. And so. <laughs> You know, the way that, and, and at the end of the day, this just helps us with our strategy. Like, yep. what are we willing to push? How can we push this? So what are some ideas? And, and you know, um, and then we use that lower profitability package as filler. Like, yes. we have staff, we're like, okay, we're not just booked now. We're two months in advance. We need to book this weekend with another wedding. Well, so the other thing that we I'm do really with, the, with that package is we say, this package makes most of its money in post. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like most of the money we make on this package is upselling edits yep. and it makes it just way more important. And we, and when it muscles the laser focus, like we're going to sell 20 of these and, yep. and our goal is to sell something to someone afterwards to at least 80% of those couples. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to sell like 17 to 18 additional edits at yep. least to those people at like minimum $500. And so then it actually changes that package. It turns the loss into a win, but until you know it, you can't really make those kind of strategic decisions yep. to say like it's really important to, to, to that post wedding sales process with this package. Yep. Because we could ignore it. We could be like it's five hundred bucks. Who cares? They won't buy it. Like we could have ignored it. And so this is how you determine your package profitability. Because I had someone ask me like, so first and foremost, this is how gear works in the financial world. It is basically amortized for three years. So you, if you buy a camera, you that will cost. You need to factor that into the cost of your package for three years. Mm-hmm. So you buy a brand new sixty Mark III or one D, whatever. Ninety PX. Ninety PX thousand shooter rig. Yes. Yeah. You buy All a brand right. new camera, costs you four grand, and you need to factor that in. It's how many weddings you shoot. Per year for three years. So say you shoot 30 weddings a year, 90, 90 weddings. You got this $4,000 camera. You know, you're just... $4,000 made up camera. <laughs> that you got so from, the, you just, from the future. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and then you just factor that in. So that'd be, you know, we'll say $4,000 divided by 90 equals, it's going to cost you $44 per wedding. You know? There you go. And so that's your co- that's a fixed cost. Yeah. Every single package you you shoot, you it actually costs you forty four dollars per wedding for yeah. at least three years. Now, after three years, you can start saying it costs you zero. Yep. Right, and you can. We we have cameras that we've been using for five years. Mm-hmm. I think this will be the fifth year with us. They're they're actually making us a lot more money now. Yep. Because and, and if we decide to sell them, it's just profit. Mm-hmm. You know. But we've already factored that into our average. Now, cost. given it's not true, like if you don't do your finances that way, like it's not like forty four dollars is coming out of your paycheck. Mm-hmm. So, like it, it's different. Um, it's different in terms of your your um, 
like if you hire a second shooter or an assistant. That's money that's coming out of your paycheck. So the other way you can look at it, it's a lot of more simple, is you can just literally say you take the cost of all your expenses for the year, add them up, and divide it by how many packages you're going to sell. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what most people would want to do. You know, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like you can do it that way too. Um, you'll just be paying for it all in one year mm-hmm. instead of amortizing it over three years. But you can do that. And like, and that's what I would probably recommend for most people is just like if you spend ten thousand dollars in gear, or you plan on spending ten thousand dollars in gear, um, since you're budgeting and you ought to plan, um, divide it by how many weddings you plan on shooting, and then like that's your cost of goods sold. You know, if you're if you have cost going into photo books mm-hmm. or cost going into music licensing or cost going into some kind of like pixie set or so can you explain the difference between cost of goods sold and and just and and expenses because i think some people at mo- yes. home might have um a so, confusion on, on the so two. the cost of goods sold is a cost that every time you sell something you incur this cost mm-hmm. so um a fancy box that you mail something in to a, cl- a client a hard drive that you mail to a client um a thank you card yep um an expense is something that you buy and even if no one buys your packages you still have to pay for mm-hmm. so say you had a crap year like your cost of goods sold will be down because mm-hmm. hopefully unless you're really dumb and you overbuy your stuff <clears throat> um if you're so really- a camera would be an expense because you yes. bought the camera and whether or not that person hires you you're still paying for the camera yep that's the most simple way it's like every time i buy this i have to pay this cost or every time i sell this i have to pay this cost i have to do packaging i have to do mail yep i have to do like but and you there's some wiggle room but like for me like for instance if we were using like a mediazilla which i think you just pay a membership fee for you don't pay a per package i would call that an expense but if i got to pay per package i would call that a cost of goods sold sure Sure. So I think you can, there is some wiggle room there that yeah. you can factor it in the way you would like to. But my general rule is if I don't have to pay for it, unless I sell it, it's a cost of goods sold. Yep. Um, and so, you know, we have marketing on here as well. So like if there's something you do with every single one of your, for instance, if you always are going to boost a post, if you're always going to boost something or promote something in a certain way, then you should be factoring that into your, to your cost per package. Like you're always, I'm always going to spend 20 bucks on my posts and boost them on Instagram. That should be factored into the profitability of your packages. Um, and show, and so like when you start looking at all this stuff, you're going to add it all together, your subcontractors, your employees, your cost of goods sold, and then your expenses for the year divided by how many weddings you shoot. And that will tell you, you know, you just subtract that from the sale. Like if it's, if you say like, oh, it's a $3,200 package, mm-hmm. you know, that'll tell you how profitable that package is. Yep. And, um, and at the end of the day, putting all these numbers together is also going to help you figure out what your hourly rate is. Like I, I find if you, if I'm like having a conversation with someone and they're like, you know, how do you determine what your like, we'll tell people find what your hourly rate is. And they're like, how do I even how could think, I think how could I ever? I, how could I ever do You have that? to do this. This is the first step. In order to figure out what your hourly rate is, you have to figure out what your expenses, cost of goods sold, all this, you know, kind of back-end spending numbers look like. 
before you can figure out what the services cost the client. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that's just not fun to do. Yeah. But it's really fun when you know. What, uh, man, it uh, definitely allows you to fall asleep at nighttime. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but. I just like being able to buy $45,000 of equipment that I didn't really plan on and mm-hmm. know that I'm fine. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> like Know that your kids aren't going to go hungry. Yep. And that I'm going to get to, like, focus on being a creative yep. again. Yep. Like, this is stressful for people. Totally. Like, this is stressful for people. And, like, they don't even want to look at these numbers sometimes because it makes them feel bad. And I would just encourage you, like, First of all, you know, it's only you. You don't have to share it with anybody. So if you can't be honest with yourself, who can you be honest with? Mm -hmm. But um, second of all, this will give you a plan. Mm -hmm. If you need a plan, call somebody who's good with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Reach out to somebody and say, like, how can I interpret this into success? Mm -hmm. How can I? Okay, this is what I'm looking at. What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. How can I do better? You know, Um, and if you've never done it before, if you're new in your business, a lot of these are going to be, I have a projection sheet and, and like it's, there are a lot of these categories that I projected last year that was very complex stuff. And we were like really close yeah, within like percentages of a lot of them. Yeah. Like after like four Surprisingly, or five. Surprisingly, we were like, oh, I hope this works out. And then we we're like, wow, halfway through the year, we we're like, this is we Within were, <coughs> margin of what we two percent, yeah, it's, it's very what, close, and it was more. We did better last year than we thought. Yep. So that's always good too. But like, but like when you're looking at it, you're like, I feel like super confident with how my business is operating now, and I know what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. And before that, I didn't. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, we're gonna be cool. We can start getting aggressive with yep. how we're doing profit distributions yep. and I, all I, this good stuff. And most of you guys, by the way, you're you're working for yourself. And so the profit number is the number one number. Mm-hmm. If you don't know your profit margin and you don't know the cost of operating your business, that is like really how are you supposed to pay yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you need to be careful with this. And like the, the way to know it is like. If you were like, ah, oh, I'm going to make 80 grand profit this year, I'm cool living off of that. Mm-hmm. Limit yourself. Then you can give yourself a salary, and then you can put money back into your uh, your business. Then yep. you can spend that five grand on marketing. Yep. And, and I think um, a lot of people are told by their accountant, um, you know, you don't want to be profitable, right, at the end of the year. And, that, and that's an approach probably for most people. That's how we were before we <sighs> had this profit first kind of mentality. And so at the end of the year, if there's extra – you can spend it on yourself. You can yeah. spend it on There's gear. A bonus. You, you can be, do. You have options. Yeah. Uh, but if if you know if you, you're an S corp, you can do distributions. Yep. Yep. So taxed better, by the way. Um. So yeah, I I, I mean I you said maybe this is a boring topic. I, I mean it's definitely not cr- creative. Um, but it allows you a means to be creative. Here's what I'll say. When we were shooting New Year's Eve. We did a shoot with these quasars, right? Mm-hmm. And you were there, obviously, so you know. <laughs> really? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> we did a shoot with these quasars, RGB. Mm-hmm. We had four of them. And we also did a really crazy, sh- like, v- slow-mo family photo booth with um, the quasars and then some awesome, like, with some fractalites and some really cool lanterns that we'll show you at some point. Right, we did this crazy stuff, yeah. And as we're doing it, um, I was like, Oh wow, like 
this creativity that we're unleashing is because of planning. Yes. Like when we're, when we're spinning around the dance floor with a cinematic, like the Canon Cine 14 mil, and we're looking up at these, all this confetti falling, that's planning. That's yeah. from a spreadsheet. The reason I have that 14 mil is because I know I can afford it. The reason I had all that equipment that allowed us to be creative and do the stuff that we really want to do. Like, and it's not just about equipment. You can be a, you can be creative with, with the equipment you have, mm -hmm. but like for us, I'm just looking at it and like, I don't look at it and go like, I'm such a genius. I look at it and go like, because we are disciplined because we are willing to look at this. And I do think there's a percentage of people out there that are in a business like ours, a wedding industry that, their creativity is locked up behind their poor discipline. Mm -hmm. And they because they lack discipline, they lack opportunity to be creative. They have to just survive, yeah. scrape by. And, and I think that's, that's just not what my heart is for people. Yeah. I, I think most people, you know, and it's kind of the way that we operated. You walk around with a sense of dread, like mm -hmm. this financial dread of like, I hope this works out. I quit my job for this and... I don't know. I don't know how things are going to pan out. And and this kind of financial planning is like the slayer of dread yeah. because you can operate in confidence. And I know I'm a much better creative when I know that, you know, things are handled on this. So you don't have that anxiety of like, oh, I hope these deposits come in in time for me to make my, you know, rent this month. Well, and my, you know, my creativity is unlocked by my confidence. That's it. That's it. And so when my when I have confidence, I can take risks, and it's and just I don't closing, have to worry. closing tabs in your brain. Yeah, that, that's what it is. Is and what I'm trying to get better at is just closing tabs to allow myself to focus on the art and not just ignore. Like I think a lot of people tend to like great creatives tend to ignore the minutia as opposed to handle the minutia in order to get to the end game of like creating. They tend to just be like, I know this is going on. I'm just trying to ignore it. I'm ignoring these emails. I'm not getting to them so that I can focus on this creative. And I think what we're trying to do on our side is like handle this so we can eventually get to it. Um, I mean, I feel like we're reaping the rewards and I hope you do as well. I hope. Yeah. So we're going to put this, it's going to be a downloadable um, from a Google drive folder. It's going to just be like an XLS yeah. spreadsheet. I did my best to put in the equations in there. Yeah. And so if you're not great at spreadsheets, Hopefully you can just enter numbers in and it will add them up for you. If, if you guys have questions on this, um, make sure that you're commenting on, on YouTube and uh, Jay will answer them, uh, <laughs> giving you things. Jared to do. will notice them in 30 I'll days. notice them and I won't notify Jay and he'll find them a week later. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's probably how it will go down. Um, but, uh, but yeah, make sure you're commenting guys. This is like, it's complicated and, and, and it is hard. It is time consuming. And guess what? Um, I'm really great at it. Jay is actually very good at it. But you know what? I would say you weren't great at no. it. You had to become great at it. I worked so, really hard on it. And Jason is smart. And I think you're probably smart sitting at home. Yes, and you can figure it out. You can do it. I believe in you. Yeah. Um, we have another topic that we're going to talk about, but I think it's just we'll save it for next week. We'll save it. Ne next week, we're going to talk about launching in, in uh, different markets. Uh, which is um, something that somebody else had asked in uh, in the We've comments. We've had section. the opportunity to try and succeed and try and fail. Yeah, and uh, I or think it's not an interesting fail, but topic because it's something we're trying to figure out now as well uh, on our end, and so um, that's something we can hop into um, next week. So uh, let's get to the last section of the podcast, yes. uh, which is 
What's your favorite thing, Jay? Well, my favorite thing right now is quasars. Um, those quasar lights, RGB. I haven't really seen them used in wedding filmmaking. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I actually I've seen them a few times, but but not the way that we used them. And I just I was in love with the footage. It looks so good. Mm -hmm. the, the way the light wraps and it's just incredible. This is the reason why, if you are only a podcast listener, why you should log into your YouTube channel and check out because we'll, we'll post some some footage that we got from uh, the wedding last week, the New Year's wedding. Um, it is a lot of fun. I think with those quasars, on, you know, on a wedding day, um, they're they're tough they're, because you have to huge. plug them in and they're big and you need an assistant. And most people are just not operating with an assistant or with you know a second shooter or whatever. So it is complicated, but some other solutions out there, you know, a lot of photographers love the ice lights. Um, they're kind of those handheld. They're less powerful, but um, but yeah, it's it's just a fun way. That to, look, yeah. the RGB look was awesome. Yes, I, I agree. Um, my favorite thing as of late is, is a little package that I got in the mail um, end of last week. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what is in there? The, the moment uh, anamorphic drone oh, lens. Oh, yes. Um, that we had ordered probably about you get to five months it? ago. Um, I haven't uh, because um, the batteries weren't charged. And uh, who smudged this? Lynn oh. smudgers. Jared actually, hates Lynn smudgers. The good news about this is I can actually tell based on the uh, fingerprint oh, who it was. It was Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but really excited about this uh, moment, you know, puts out some some cool stuff um, and excited to, to try this out. I haven't, I wanted to do that before the podcast, but just haven't gotten around I to it. I pre-ordered that, uh, that, that cheap anamorphic lens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not my favorite yet because I haven't used it. Yeah. But um, the, uh, the. Who's that put out by? Ciro, Siri. I, I, I don't even know how to say their name. Yeah. S-I-R-U-I. Did a, you get a Facebook ad about that? Yeah, no. and that's how you. Oh, I'm buy. buying this. Oh, good for them! Wow, it's a micro four thirds, yep. uh, fifty millimeter, which I think ends up being like, yep, eighty five millimeter equivalent, hundred millimeter or something like that. But um, real anamorphic lens, though. Yeah, it'll go on our Mark or four uh, K. We're we're probably going to be doing a little uh, fun YouTube video with um, at least the anamorphic drone lens. We'll probably do one with the I'm definitely uh, doing one anamorphic. Um, definitely doing one. You know, uh, just because it's four thirds as well. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. It is fun, and you know, there's a lot of fun things <laughs> that people are doing nowadays, and you know, we want to get information out to the masses so you can actually know if they're good or not. Um, because a lot, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of, a lot of bad. Yes. Out. Yes. Um, so yeah, make sure you stay tuned. Um, guys, we're going to be doing a lot more YouTube, um, videos and YouTube content for photography and videography, probably in the next, you know, couple months and over the next year, uh, two of our guys, Dominique and Caleb are full time with us at Stock yeah, Full time content so, creators. Yeah. We're going to be creating content on, on the regs. Um, can't wait. Last so you, year was fun. This year is going to be better. It's just going to be a lot more and hopefully, you know, pushing the envelope as far as quality too. So uh, we're really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going awesome. to be a great year. So guys, thanks for watching or listening to the Wedding Pros podcast this week. Again, make sure you're following us on YouTube, on YouTube, uh, on Facebook, on anywhere that you can find All the podcasts. places. Instagram. All the places. Underscore wedding, underscore pros. I promise I'll get better at promoting all of them uh, this year as well. Ways, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week.